all I wanted to do was chemistry. I, I never really considered uh, what other opportunities there might be at Lilly. A chemist at heart, John Lecklider loved his years working in the lab. But there were bigger things for him on the horizon, like moving up the ladder to the top spot at one of the biggest pharmaceutical operations in the world, Indianapolis-based Eli Lilly and Company, calling the shots as CEO, just as expiring patents and the Great Recession were taking hold in 2008. I think sometimes strategy gets uh, more attention than it, than it should. It's really about getting a group of people aligned behind a particular set of goals and enabling them to really make it happen. And that's what the, the Lilly workforce did. John Lechleiter, born in the Bluegrass State, now a true blue Hoosier. Get to know the man who ran Lilly for eight years and is now spearheading Indiana's move to become a Midwest giant in the tech and health sciences space. John Lechleiter, my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. Well, not many people can claim to have led Eli Lilly and Company. John Lechleiter, one of the few. He served as CEO for more than eight years at Lilly from April 2008 to December 2016, a rough period for the company and the U.S. economy. John grew up across the Ohio River from Indiana in Louisville. Take me back to Louisville. The eldest of nine, Dad John H. Lechleiter owned a Ford dealership, which is still in business today. This holiday, Byerly Ford wants to help you shop smart, buy any new Ford vehicle, and get thousands in holiday bonus cash. Lechleiter learned a lot of business lessons growing up, the son of an automobile dealer. He shares those and much more insight on this week's edition of the Business and Beyond podcast. And bear with us uh, for these first few minutes of the podcast as we had some audio issues that we got cleared up and uh, continued with our conversation with John Lechleiter. And I'm very pleased to be joined on the podcast this week by former Eli Lilly and Company a Chairman CEO, John Lechleiter. John, how are you? I'm doing great, Gary. How are you? I'm I'm really good, and and again, thrilled we can have this conversation. It's been a while. I think the last time the two of us got together, we were on the golf course at, at a golf outing, and you uh, you were striping the ball right down the middle. Well, I can still do that on occasion. Uh, <laughs> I, I really ought to be better, given that I've got a little more time to play now, though. Yeah. What what well, what are you doing? I mean, you're 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 quote unquote retired, but I know you you're 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 keeping busy and doing and doing things. What have you been up to? Well, Sarah and I are still uh, active in the community here. Uh, we we've been involved in a number of uh, kind of not-for-profit uh, endeavors. I was honored to be asked to join the board of the Lilly Endowment uh, shortly after I retired. So I'm uh, uh, involved in that. Uh, involved on the uh, Indiana Economic Development Corporation as a board member, and. Uh, uh, been, I've been serving on the board of Indiana Biosciences Research Institute, or IBRI, uh, for the past several years as well. So we're keeping about as busy as we want to be, given we got these nine grandchildren that occupy <laughs> a lot of our time, too. 
Wow. Nine grandchildren. Yeah. How's, I, I can speak from experience. I don't have nine. We've got, we've got three, but what, what's, uh, what's, what's being a, a grandpa like? Well, it's wonderful. You know, it's like they say you, you get, you have all the joys of parenthood and then you give them back to their parents. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we're, we're really blessed. Uh, our three kids each have three, and they're all in a tight age range from age four to age nine. So these, these nine cousins have all grown up together and enjoyed being with one another, which, which makes it all the more rewarding, you know. You, you mentioned some board work uh, you're doing. I know in the past, previously, you were on some r- really big boards, Ford and I think Nike. And are you still on those boards or do you step away from that? No, I'm not. I, I retired uh, from the Lily board as, as the board chair in May of 17. And uh, I, I didn't really know at that point how much longer I wanted to stay involved in other corporate boards. And it, it turns out I've been probably less and less involved in business, Gary, since I retired and not more and more involved. And, you know, I, I told, uh, the Nike folks and the Ford people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably about as smart as the last guy that read the Wall Street Journal uh, <laughs> come into your, your board meeting. So I'd like to step down and give you a chance to put, uh, you know, somebody else on there who can bring new ideas. But uh, in, in each case, I felt like I contributed. They're great companies. Uh, but, you know, it's time to it's always time to move on. Hey, I, I've got to ask you, because the. Um uh, the Nike board that, that had to be a kind of a cool thing. What, what was that like being on the Nike board? Uh, you know, kind of a cool company. Uh, you got to interact, I assume with Phil Knight and some of that kind of stuff. I did. I, I, uh, would usually sit next to Phil. He's now, uh, emeritus on the board and his son actually joined the, the Nike board a half dozen or eight years ago. Uh, he's a, a tremendous guy, a real visionary. I was impressed, uh, you know, Nike is a uh, athletic wear and, and, and sports-oriented uh, company, obviously, but I was impressed with the discipline uh, that they put around that business and their unbelievable and incredible insights into the consumer that they served. So it was, yeah. for me, a, a real, a real eye-opener um, uh, and, a, and a fun experience, too. Hey, Johnson, we'll backtrack a little bit, but what, uh, what's been keeping you busy in, in – um uh, so-called retirement? Well, Gary, uh, I'm probably uh, not as busy, certainly, as I was when I was working, but I'm involved in a few not-for-profits in the community. My wife and I are still doing uh, a number of things in that sphere. Uh, I was fortunate to be asked to join the uh, Lilly Endowment Board a few years ago um, on the Indiana Biosciences Research Institute Board, where I'm sitting uh, out here today. And uh, also on the Indiana Economic Development Corporation board, so we're we're staying in Indiana, and we're we're trying to remain plugged in here, and still uh, maybe have a little leisure time for things like uh, grandchildren, et cetera. Yeah, I love it. So you've got nine grandbabies, right? We do, ages four through nine. So they're wow. bunched together, and the cousins have a lot of fun when they get together. That's neat. What I thought was great too, John. Uh, certainly, I took note of it. Was after you retired from Lilly, you and Sarah decided to stay here in Indianapolis, right? Still living here in Indy. Obviously, a conscious decision to stay here and not uh, not move to the beach or the mountains somewhere. <laughs> well, we uh, built a home on some property in Brown County that we've owned for many years, so uh, we sometimes toggle back and forth. But we love this community. Uh, two of our three kids are still here, and. Uh, yeah, I felt like it, at the time I retired, this is where we want to be. And 
where our connections are and where we can still, uh, you know, hopefully help uh, in, in certain ways. Yeah. When you were the CEO and leading uh, Eli Lilly and company, I, I always recognized the fact that you felt, at least I, I thought you felt uh, an affinity and, you know, a real need to support Indianapolis as a city, as a region, and also on the life sciences as well. There, there was a real connection there that you felt was important. Is, is that an accurate description? It is. I think that, you know, our founders, the Lilly family, I think, uh, without saying so uh, uh, directly, believe that uh, the, a healthy, strong community helped uh, make Lilly a healthy, strong company and vice versa. I mean, then as now, we're, we're one of the biggest and certainly most influential employers uh, in the region. And we have to hire, the company has to hire talented people from all over the world. We want them to to come to a community that is inviting, that is welcoming, that has uh, the kinds of things that would, uh, you know, enable them to to build a, a good life here and and enjoy, uh, uh, you know, all the the things that we have to offer in this region. So yeah, we were definitely committed to that and and also to uh, to helping further the life sciences here in in central Indiana. Again, I think for a company like Lilly, for example, as the life science community here blossoms, uh, to me, all boats rise. As you look at at the Indiana Biosciences Research Institute, you're on the board there. It's that 16 Tech Development, which was talked about through multiple uh, mayoral administrations, you know, thought about, talked about for a long time. It's now happening. It's now coming to life. And a lot of people are excited about that. As you look at the IBRI and the assets, what things are there, talk about what impresses you about that and what the potential, in your view, truly is for Indianapolis. Well, I, I'll start by saying I think 16 Tech is one of the most exciting things to happen in the city in a long time. And this is only the beginning. And I would encourage anyone listening to the podcast, if you haven't been out to 16 Tech, come over and, and, and give it a look. It's going to it's going to be transformed in in coming years, and uh, I think it's going to be an even more important uh, focal point for technology, for uh, entrepreneurship, for startups. IBRI is very pleased to, today to be the anchor tenant in what's called Building One, which is the first real sort of lab composite office space uh, built out here at 16 Tech, and uh, it I'm couldn't be happier. Uh, with the progress that IBRI has made as it approaches its 10th anniversary. Today, we have 60 or so uh, uh, scientists and, and support staff working here. We're supporting, Gary, 13 startups here in this building, biotech life science startups, two of which just just recently came on board. So we really want 16 Tech and IBRI to become magnets and and and, and catalysts for the growth of the life sciences here in central Indiana. And it's it's really, really exciting to have a place now where that can happen. Yeah. It, it, people talk about 16 Tech really as being, you know, it's about innovation and, and entrepreneurship and technology, all those kinds of things. But it really boils down to talent. And it's a real talent play for the, the city and the region to attract and keep talent here. In, in your view, how will that happen? Well, I think it's going to happen in a, in a in a number of ways. I think that uh, already, there are larger companies, including Lilly, that are putting satellite operations uh, here so that uh, the Lilly scientists, for example, can mix and mingle with others uh, who are here uh, running startups or who have different ideas, come from different sort of fields of science. So 
you know, it's that it's that mixture of 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 interests and skills and enthusiasm really out here that that I think makes this place so special. But you know, another thing I think that's going to be interesting this recent announcement about uh, IUPUI and the transformation to IU Indianapolis and Purdue University. This this I think is very exciting and opens up uh, uh, some additional possibilities for collaboration. Uh, with these, the, as the two institutions now pursue their growth strategies in in Indianapolis, so I think it's a great place for partnerships to build, and obviously it's been and is a great place for businesses to start up. As you reflect back on your time at Eli Lilly and Company, I think you spent nearly forty years, thirty-seven years, I think, at, at Lilly, eight years as as CEO. Obviously, Lilly was a very special place for you, what, in your view, what makes Lilly a special place? I think it's the culture and the people. You know, I came to interview at Lilly only a year after Eli Lilly passed away in wow. 1977. This would be the grandson of our of our founder. And I think the imprint that the Lilly family made on the company is still very much felt there. Their their emphasis on 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 excellence, on integrity, and on people uh, really still resonates, not just as words in the lobby, but as as the the way the company lives out its mission day to day. So it's a it's still a, a fantastic place. But there are lots of pharma companies. I think Lilly is unique in the way that it goes about its business and the caliber of the people who work there. Yeah, you you went to Lilly right after was it right after grad school that that yes. you, uh, you got there and uh, that started you on your path, right? I did. I joined as a chemist in 1979 and worked in the lab a few years. And, uh, uh, you know, Lily was, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and this was a chance to kind of get back uh, to the area. I, I consider myself uh, extremely lucky to have landed in a place like Lily. Now that I look back on it, I, I don't think I recognize when I joined just what a unique and special place it was, but it, it gave me no reason to want to leave after 37 years. Yeah, and you love chemistry, right? You wanted to be a chemist. There was there was there a vision or a, a thought that you might hit that management track at some point, or did you just want to be a chemist? You know, Gary, I don't think anybody believes this, but you know, when I joined Lilly, I needed a job. I mean, we, my wife and I, Sarah and I uh, had had our son Dan was six months old, and I I needed a job. We didn't have two dimes to rub together. <laughs> and I was only interested in in joint in doing chemistry. I, I thought I was pretty good at it. I had no further ambitions. In fact, I didn't even know what was, you know, what could be available down the road. And so a few years later, when I had a chance to to take a management position and leave the lab, I think it took me months, as I recall, to think about that. Did I really want to do that? And and you know, you knew you, you really couldn't return once you left, but. I'm glad I made the decision that I did. And, uh, you know, one door opened uh, as one door shut, another door opened. And and then the rest is history, I guess. Were there moments or people, I'm sure there were people, but it, that 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 really were instrumental along the way, because that's uh, that's quite a ride to get to the, you know, the top spot. What was uh, talk about that journey? Well, there there were. And, you know, we, we I don't think in 1979, the term mentor was used much. Today, we have more formal mentoring relationships. But, you know, as I look back, Gary, uh, I can pick a half dozen people from within the company who who served that function for me and who gave me good advice and, uh, you know, sort of guided guided me along the way. I mean, I uh, people used to say, well, where'd you get your MBA? 
from. And I said, well, I don't really have an MBA except from the school of hard knocks. And, uh, <laughs> you, you know, how did I learn business? Well, I learned business because a few people would, you know, took me under their wing and said, you know, here's how this works. And L- Lily's full of that still today. You know, I think Lily, uh, many, many people there who help others really kind of move up that ladder as people help me. Well, you certainly learned it very well because you led the company through uh, one of its certainly toughest, most challenging period ever. That uh, that period uh, with the loss of four, the patent expiration on four blockbuster drugs, billions of dollars in revenue. As you reflect back on that, how, how daunting a challenge was that uh, and how did it test your leadership? Well, it, it definitely tested my leadership. I think it looks and sounds more daunting now in retrospect, believe it or not, because as we went along, although we knew that these things were inevitably going to expire, we were going to inevitably lose that revenue. I remember being on your show many times and yep. we were facing one or other of these things. And I, But I think most of my effort and most of our team's effort was really around, okay, how do we replace these drugs? In other words, how do we resume growth once we we plateau after these patents expire and that involved investing uh more in r&d and of course that was a you could say a tough thing to do given that our earnings and our revenues were were declining but i think every year right up until 2014 we actually invested more you know in in r&d both as a percentage and in absolute dollars than we did in the previous year so we kept our our foot on the gas, and I think that investment in R and D is paying off today. Yeah, and it, it was. You, you had to make some very tough decisions because because I remember there were several thousand. It was a five thousand cuts that had to be made uh, in, in terms of of jobs and personnel. Anytime that kind of thing comes up for most CEOs is very difficult. How, what was that process like for you personally? Because I'm sure you knew a number of the people who who were impacted. You know, it was a very difficult thing to do. I think we did it. Uh, if there's a right way to do that, I think we did it. Um, we offered uh, some number of those folks opportunity to take other positions in the company. Uh, some were able to retire. Others uh, got packages and and went on and did other things. And, you know, I commented to someone along the way that not once did I get a, a nasty gram or any kind of a of a of a, uh, a negative uh, reaction, you know, that came directly to me uh, through that whole process. And it's not that that was easy for anybody, but I, I'm proud of the way the company went about that, and uh, proud of the individuals who who uh, who worked through that. And uh, I think for the most part, landed on their feet despite the disruption. Was there ever, from a leadership standpoint, as you think back on it, was there ever a time? Because again, those were very challenging times for the company. Was there ever a time when you you doubted the path you were taking? You doubted yourself, or you know, you know those those kinds of thoughts creep in as you think back on it. Well, not in a serious way. There were moments when I got discouraged, and uh, one of those uh, came when we had one of our Alzheimer's drugs fail, and mm-hmm. I think in that same week we had an adverse ruling on one of our patents. And there was a third thing that I can't recall. And I felt pretty beat up. Fortunately, my wonderful wife picked me up by the collar and said, well, if if you if you think there's a brighter future ahead, you need to tell your side of the story. And we published a full page kind of letter in the star and the IBJ and the recorder. And, uh, and, and basically that gave me a 
just writing that gave me a shot in the arm and, and, ah. and I felt, you know, more reassured. We work ourselves, we work our way through these, these challenges. So it wasn't an easy road, but I, I don't think I ever really had a, a doubt that things would work the way they did. We, we had great scientists, Gary. We had great business partners. Uh, you know, we had a legacy of a hundred and at that time, 135 years of, of innovation and, you know, I think that's that's showing up again today. I think the company today is the largest market cap in pharma, with the exception of J and J, uh, and they're going to split off their consumer division. So I expect within the year, if things hold up, Lilly will be the the largest market cap pharma company in the world. That's yeah. saying something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've accomplished a number of things d- during your time at Lilly. Is managing the company through that time? Do you think that will be viewed by others as your legacy? Well, I think so. Uh, I mean, that was my job. I remember, uh, you know, reading the media reports when when my appointment was announced in 2007 that these patent expirations loomed. And I remember Sarah said to me at the time, she said, couldn't you have just waited a while for this <laughs> stuff to pass? And I said, no, this is my job. I, yeah. you know, I, I grew up in R&D. We needed productive R&D to get us out of this challenge. I said, I think I'm the right guy for that. And I think Dave Ricks is the perfect guy right now to to really drive the growth that they're seeing. We'll have much more with John Lechleiter when we return on the Business and Beyond podcast growing up in Louisville. Now we got to Indianapolis and much more when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. This is Alex Brown. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand. This twice-daily podcast features our statewide Inside Indiana Business Radio reports with additional bonus content that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. You can listen now on the podcast page at InsideIndianaBusiness.com or subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week, former Eli Lilly and Company CEO, John Lechleiter. And John, let's look back to the early days. So you uh, grew up not far from Indianapolis, just down I-65 in Louisville, right? And you right. came from a big family. You were the eldest of nine children. Yes, sir. What was that like? That that had to be, uh, you know, never a dull moment in the Lechleiter household. Oh. There was never a dull moment. We had uh, not just uh, 11 of us in the house. We had three bedroom homes. Oh the boys, the, the myself, my four brothers were all upstairs in a finished attic and we fought it out up there every day. And uh, <laughs> my twin sisters, who were the youngest, slept in uh, my parents' bedroom until they were seven or eight. And my dad added a bedroom on to the back of the house. So I had a wonderful uh, upbringing, uh, in, in Louisville. It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful city. Um, and, uh, you know, we still go back down there. Most of my siblings are somewhere in that, you know, in that area. So we're all still real close. Yeah. And your dad was, a, was a Ford dealer, right? He was, yeah. My grandfather, my mother's father started a Ford dealership in Louisville right after World War II. And my father and two of his brothers-in-law, two of my mother's sister's husbands, uh, ran that dealership. 
uh, till he retired in the eighties. Yeah. Running that business, did that kind of that interest in business or business uh, savvy maybe uh, rub off in the from the car dealership days? It, it did. Uh, I think the the thing that was the most abiding uh, memory of that period is how cyclical that that business was. And in the seventies, when the oil shock hit and the Japanese automakers really made their move, the domestic automobile business was really on its heels. And, that was tough. And, yeah. It was tough. And, you know, my dad had at that point still seven or six or seven of us to put through college. And I, I remember, I mean, he was quite anxious about that. And and I remember thinking, you know, uh, things just don't go in a straight line. There are ups and downs. And uh, whether it's the economy or or, or the fortunes of a given business, uh, you, you know, uh, when times are good, you've got to say to yourself, maybe they won't be good forever. And when times are bad, you've got to say to yourself, you know, this too shall pass and, and we'll get back to, to a better situation. I think I learned that from the automobile business. I know you had uh, an interest in sports. Where, where did the interest in science, because obviously you had a passion for science, where did that come from? That's a good question. I I think I was always interested in science for reasons that I can't quite fathom, but I had two outstanding teachers in high school. Uh, I went to St. Xavier High School in Louisville and I had two Zavarian brothers, one who taught me chemistry and one who taught me physics. And they, they really got me interested in science and then went on to college and you have a couple of other influential teachers. And I had some summer intern experiences at Oak Ridge Labs and uh, later at University of Minnesota. And, you know, it, it's sort of one step after another. And I, I found that the chemistry and organic chemistry is really what I liked. And that's what I pursued. Did you you went to Xavier uh, in Cincinnati uh, for undergrad? Did did, uh, did you think about other places or what what uh, what uh, kind of tilted the? the uh, decision to Xavier? Well, I got a full scholarship and I looked ah. behind me and saw eight others that needed to be uh, <laughs> educated. That uh, My dad had gone to Xavier and he was a Xavier grad uh, from back just after the war. And uh, so I knew a little bit about it and the Jesuits uh, uh, and Jesuit education appealed to me. It was a good, it was a good choice for me. And then on to Harvard, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. P- I got my PhD at Harvard in organic chemistry. And again, a wonderful, wonderful experience and uh, uh, rubbing shoulders with uh, faculty that at that time included a couple of Nobel laureates and with others to follow. So that was a that was a, a great experience and uh, served as kind of the basis for all that followed. Yeah. What uh, as you got out and began looking, landed at Lilly, of course, but were there other uh, other sectors of the economy you looked at? Was the pharma business a natural for you, or what? Uh, what was that decision uh, making process like? Well, I think for individuals who studied chemistry and the type of chemistry that or organic uh, synthesis, it was either a faculty university faculty position or the pharma industry. I mean, that's where the most interesting science was was being done. So I interviewed at several of the major pharma companies and. And pick Lily. I like the people that I met there. I like the location back closer to to our family. And uh, as I said, it was a good choice. Yeah, and, you, and I think I read John that you really never had necessarily formal mentors, but in terms of people you admired, I, I think I read Churchill. You're a fan of Churchill. Why so? <laughs> well, uh, his sense of humor sort of has me at the. <laughs> Sort of has me at hello, but uh, I think I think it's, it was his ability to uh, persevere and to um, 
stay constant to to his his principles uh to to bring people along in in difficult and challenging times there's just something uh about that that appealed to me you know way back when but became much more relevant actually you know during the, the some of the challenges we faced at at Lilly sure as you look, and I know, I'm sure you're asked from time to time, probably a lot of times from younger executives or people getting into the business world, very much a different world today with, with technology, the speed of business, things like social media and, and all the, the the nuances that exist in the business world today. Advice that you pass along or would pass along to those people graduating from college getting out of graduate school and entering the the business world, what what would it be? Well, I, I think, you know, regardless of, of the the pervasive nature of technology, uh succeeding in business is still very much about uh uh being able to work effectively with others, uh to communicate uh effectively in words, you know, in in both, you know, the spoken word and the and the written word and and being able to to think, uh, I'll say strategically, but to, you know, to be able to, uh, synthesize information and, and form conclusions and, and put strategies in, in place. You know, these are, these are fundamentals. You know, I think that, uh, you know, you can be as proficient in some technical field as you want to be. And so much of that's going to be obsolete in two or three or four years. You're going to have to keep learning that. But these skills that I talked about earlier are kind of foundational. And I, I don't think that's changed. That's changed a lot. Final question for you, John. As you look, uh, obviously very connected and and uh, helping Indianapolis go to that next level. Indianapolis, like many cities, have faced challenges in recent years and coming out of the pandemic. As you look at the future here for Indianapolis, sixteen Tech would be a good example. I think of something that that bodes well for the future. But how do you look at the future and important things maybe that need to happen here? For Indianapolis to remain and, and continue to be competitive for talent and those those types of things going forward. Well, I'm I'm actually very optimistic about our future. Uh, you know, there's there's always a hiccup or two along the way. I hope that we can maintain the community spirit and community mindedness that has characterized leadership at all levels within Indianapolis ever since we've been here. It's remarkable uh, how how well this city. Uh, the individuals in this city work together across, you know, lines, across political lines, across, you know, economic lines. That that's got to continue. I think that it's important that that we we build uh, a strong economic base. Uh, I think the life sciences are an important part of that. This is one reason why IBRI is here to help foster and 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 develop the the life sciences, uh, whether that's within our academic institutions or within business, the business community. I also think, Gary, frankly, we we've, we've got to do everything we can to improve our K to twelve education system. And uh, it, you know, Sarah and I have, have directed a lot of our philanthropy toward that end because uh, uh, you know we've got to be concerned about everybody in the community having an opportunity to get a quality education and to be prepared to pursue careers like uh, uh, ones at, at Lilly or, uh, you, you know, Salesforce or, or what have you. Um, these are the, these are the important jobs in the future. And, and we've got to have the talent base there in addition to a livable, likable city uh, yeah. to attract people and keep people. But I, 
you know, I'm I'm an optimist, and and I I think that 16 Tech, where I'm sitting here today, is evidence of of, of a forward thinking mentality that 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 I hope we can build on. I I'm I'm I think the the recent announcement about IUPUI, as I've come yeah. to understand it, I think that can unleash a, a tremendous growth within both of the new institutions or the, the two institutions yeah. that emerge out of that. So that's going to be exciting to see as well. John Lechleiter has been a real treat uh, to catch up with you on the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for all you continue to do for Indianapolis as well. And hope to see you soon. Thanks, Gary. All right. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. You can catch all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7 at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.